A reading from the Bhagavad Gita, the 13th chapter. And this is text number five. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Rishi Bir Bahuda Gitam Chando Bir Vividai Pratak Brahma Sutra Padaishchaiva Hitumad Bir Vinishchitai. Rishi Bi means by the wise sages, Bahuda in many ways. Gitam described Chando Bi by Vedic hymns. Vividai, various, Pratak, variously, Brahma Sutra of the Vedanta Sutra, Padai, by the aphorisms, Cha also, Eva, certainly, Hetu Madbi, with cause and effect, Vinishchitai, certain. Translation, that knowledge of the field of activities and the knower of the field of activities is described by various sages in various Vedic writings. It is especially presented in the Vedanta Sutra with all reasoning as to cause and effect. Purport. The Supreme Personality of God at Krishna is the highest authority in explaining this knowledge. Still, as a matter of course, learned scholars and standard authorities always give evidence from previous authorities. Krishna is explaining this most controversial point regarding the duality and non-duality of the soul and the Supersoul by referring to a scripture, the Vedanta, which is accepted as authority. First, he said, this is according to different sages. As far as the sages are concerned, besides himself, Vyasadeva, the author of the Vedanta Sutra, is a great sage. And in the Vedanta Sutra, duality is perfectly explained. And Vyasadeva's father, Parashara, is also a great sage. And he writes in his books of religiosity, Ahung, Twang, Cha, Chatanye. We, you, I, and the various other living entities are all transcendental, although in material bodies. Now we are fallen into the ways of the three modes of material nature according to our different karma. As such, some are on, a, on higher levels and some are on the lower nature, or in the lower nature. The higher and lower natures exist due to ignorance and are being manifested in, a, in an infinite number of living entities. But the supersoul, which is infallible, is uncontaminated by the three qualities of nature and is transcendental. Similarly, in the original Vedas, a distinction between the soul, the supersoul, and the body is made, especially in the Kata Upanishad. There are many great sages who have explained this, and Parashra is considered principal among them. The word Chandobi refers to the various Vedic literatures, the Taitariya Upanishad, for example, which is a branch of the Yajurveda, describes nature, the living entity, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As stated before, Kshetra is the field of activities, and there are two kinds of Kshetragya, the individual living entity and the Supreme Living Entity. As stated in the Taitariya Upanishad 2.5, Ramapucham Pratishta, there is a manifestation of the Supreme Lord's energy known as Annamaya, dependence upon food for existence. This is a materialistic realization of the Supreme. Then in Pranamaya, after realizing the Supreme Absolute Truth in food, one can realize the Absolute Truth in the living symptoms or life forms. In Gyanamaya, realization extends beyond the living symptoms to the point of thinking, feeling, and willing. Then there is Brahman realization called Vigyanamai, in which the living entity's mind and life symptoms are distinguished from the living entity himself. The next and supreme stage is Anandamoy, realization of the all blissful nature. Thus, there are five stages of Brahman realization, which are called Brahma Pucham. Out of these, the first three, Anamoy, Pranamoy, and Gyanamoy, involve the fields of activity of the living entities. 
transcendental to all these fields of activities is the Supreme Lord, who is called Anandamoy. The Vedic, the Vedanta Sutra also describes the Supreme by saying, Ananamayobhyasat. The Supreme Personality of God, it is by nature full of joy. To enjoy his transcendental bliss, he expands into Vigyanamoy, Pranamoy, Gyanamoy, and Annamoy. In the field of activities, the living entity is considered to be the enjoyer, and different from him is the Ananamoy. That means that if the living entity decides to enjoy in dovetailing himself with the Anandamoy, then he becomes perfect. This is the real picture of the Supreme Lord. As the Supreme Knower of the field, the living entity as the subordinate knower in the nature of the field of activities. When asked to search for this truth in the Vedanta Sutra or Brahma Sutra, it is mentioned here that the codes of the Brahma Sutra are very nicely arranged according to cause and effect. Some of the sutras or aphorisms are na vidyad ashrute, not mashrute, and paratu tachshrute. The first aphorism indicates the field of activities, the second indicates the living entity, and the third indicates the Supreme Lord, the summum bonum. Bonum among the manifestations of the living entities. So as Prabhupada mentions here in the first paragraph, uh, uh, that is that um, now we are fallen into the ways of the three modes of material nature according to our different karma. As such, some are on higher, higher levels and some are, on lower, are in the lower nature. The higher and lower natures exist due to ignorance and are being manifested in an infinite number of living entities. So, uh, this is an important point, which is brought up as the basic understanding of the cause of material life and the cause of all suffering. It's good to know that there is a cause of all suffering because if it was random or meaningless, then we would be hopeless. In fact, there are some existentialist philosophers who just say, ridiculously and absurdly that the world has no meaning. There's, there's only depression, darkness, and uh, no reason for the suffering. It's just happening randomly. However, luckily here, we're dealing with commonsensical uh, personalities like Krishna, who's the most uh, commonsensical of all. And even as he's the supreme authority, he's pointing to others, Rishi B and the Chandovir, he's referring back to the authorized scriptures, which are co-eternal with him and which give us the direction through, so that we can come out of the suffering of the material world. And for those who are advancing in spiritual life, it's extremely important to sharpen their minds through hearing Shastra and be directed by Shastra. In fact, Shastra means uh, to be ruled. Uh, it comes from the root word shas, and this means to rule over. It's not a really popular idea these days. People think it's easier just to do your own thing, but actually that's not true. It's easier to submit oneself to a perfect authority and be ruled by him, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because if you're not ruled by the Shastra or the rules given in the uh, Shruti and the Smriti and the Pantratrik Vidi, then you'll be ruled by Shastra, which means the sword. And material nature has a fine way of cutting so that uh, sooner or later we, we decide to voluntarily follow the Shastra rather than be ruled by the Shastra. So what is that original cause of all suffering? Uh, it is uh, Avidya. Uh, uh, vid, like in the modern day uh, words in, a, in English, which are derived from Sanskrit, video, and, uh, you know, to see, to be able to understand something. There's uh, a meaning in, in avidya, which is uh, the opposite of sight or vision or insight into what is reality. And there is a way in which when one wants to come to the perfection of life, there are different choices. 
it's described that there's a field of ignorance and that is uh, the material field and it fills up with kleshas or uh, various kinds of miseries of innumerable combinations and, and permutations and then you can try to individually pluck them out just like if you had a big field and you tried to pull out each one of the weeds by hand it would be a very laborious task and wouldn't necessarily be successful or you could simply uh, put a parking lot over it and or put a patio over the whole thing and be done with it all at once so the process of Vedic knowledge means really to understand the ca overall cause of all the different various miseries and not try to deal with them individually as in some cases people try to do prayaschitta or individual rectification for various kinds of sins they, they've committed. Uh, so avidya means I don't know what I'm doing because I don't understand the difference between myself as the atma or the purusha and the body. And when I come into knowledge, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that this acts as a fire, yanagni sarvakaramanam. He says all the different kinds of karmas, which are some in subtle form and some forming into seeds, and then some are sprouting, and then some are fructifying and uh, giving me miseries now, all of these are are caused originally by avidya, or ignorance of, of my real self. So he says, when you come into the light of knowledge, then that light actually destroys all of the sinful reactions, because one has uh, no intention of acting sinfully when he or she comes into knowledge and becomes oriented towards the real purpose of life and is actually tasting it. So it's important to have this in mind. And then also, as mentioned here, there are higher and lower natures. And these are because of people's different associations with the modes of material nature. And just as there are higher and lower positions in the material world, there are higher and lower positions in spiritual life as well. And there are there is a steady path a, a staircase that one can take to come to the highest level coming out of ignorance first means to embrace the process of krishna consciousness and this is a long stage that we go through in the material world as mentioned here is the brahma pucha the anamoy can imagine a living entity that only relates to God or Brahman through foodstuff, Anna. And you can see some living entities that, uh, like these little plankton that live in the ocean. They just uh, sit there all day and absorb whatever nutrients they can. And that's their connection to Brahman. And then the Pranamoy, there's a, a sense of, of life but it's um, very rudimentary. Manamoy, when one starts to make choices. And uh, Viganamoy, one starts to intellectualize and even at that point to uh, speculate about the difference between matter and spirit. But then an Anandamoy, the highest uh, stage, which is rarely achieved, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that there are, um, <clears throat> there are many... Um, people who take to spiritual life, but very few of them uh, come to know Anandamoy because they, they're not properly situated in the authority structure to get infra, uh, perfect knowledge from the perfect source. So it's uh, helpful to know how to get perfect knowledge, how to come out of ignorance, and then it's important to know when one's on the tr uh, uh, path of Krishna consciousness, the various stages, so that one can identify them and be encouraged as one's taking steps along that path. Because um, material nature is constantly with us while we're still in this body. And we have to feel encouraged that we're following the path and making steady progress. So let's just take a quick look at the 
path of progress of Bharat Maharaj and try to relate it to different stages in our own practices. So Bharat Maharaj was a great king and kings are generally absorbed in doing their worldly duties. And that's the stage at which most people come into the world and think about how success really means making material progress. And uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, for uh, what is night for all beings is the time of awakening for the self-controlled. And what is the time of awakening for all beings is night for the introspective sage. So this means there are some people that are awakened to spiritual knowledge and some that are asleep. And the materialistic person thinks that uh, these spiritual practitioners are really wasting their time. They're missing out on a lot. And the spiritual practitioners uh, see that the materialist is wasting his time. So which is right? Well, actually, the spiritualist is right. Because <clears throat> material life is over in a flash. And whatever I've accumulated in this lifetime becomes, uh, is left behind. And really, I have nothing to show for it. Even if I become uh, a really successful person, uh, materially. However, uh, if I miss out on any spiritual practice, there's no stature whatsoever. I'm simply swept away by the modes of material nature. So this worldly consciousness is a dangerous uh, situation. And even if you, you become a big shot, it, it's no um, less dangerous than somebody who's a sweeper in the street. So this, uh, this is the stage of material consciousness of a hunkar, where one thinks, I am the body, I am the mind. And Krishna says, Yasyatma buddhi kuna petri datu ke, sodi kalatradishu mhoma ejadi. So, tirta buddhi salilena karichij janeshu abhigesu saeva gokara. Krishna told this to the residents at uh, Kurukshetra during the eclipse that uh, a person who uh, worships the body and thinks uh, this is my homeland and therefore it's worshipable and flies the flag and sings the anthem and tears come to their eyes. <laughs> this person is like a cow or an ass. And uh, similarly, he says, people who go to holy places, but they just go to take a bath there, but they don't sit down and listen to whole, the, the sages that are there that teach spiritual knowledge. Consciousness is like the cow or an ass, like an animal. Um, the body is a bag and it's got kapa pita bayu. It's got the uh, just elements, lower material elements, and actually they're described in the Pantratric and in the yogic literature as really disgusting. They're impure. The body's always impure, it's always. Uh, emanating impure substances and therefore one has to constantly be cleaning it to make sure that it's uh, uh, presentable in one's practice of, of uh, pantratric or yoga practice. And so if a person thinks I am this body, then Krishna th says you're an animal. So this is material life, a hunkar and somebody thinks I'm the doer and so forth there's a very low consciousness and, and completely in ignorance. So Krishna says, prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara itiyame bina prakriti asura. This prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara vimunatma kartaham iti manyate. That uh, I'm the doer and I'm, I'm actually the, uh, the body. He says, vimudha, such a person is very, very foolish. So if such a person uh, becomes fortunate, somehow or other comes in contact with spiritual knowledge and there's a seed planted within his or her heart, then there can be a spiritual awakening from this darkness of illusion, this dream of material life where there's only suffering and no happiness. And so this is uh, represented by Bharat going to the forest. So at for first he's a king. He's uh, working in his uh, duties as a king, interacting with family members and so forth. But he's a very fortunate soul. 
And he's given as an example by Lord Chaitanya to Sanatana Goswami as someone who had the wherewithal to detach himself from material life and go off for spiritual realization. So this is the awakening of the intelligence. And kamadinam katina katita palita durnideshas. This bad masters of the lust, anger, greed, and so forth come to an end when someone's intelligence wakes up by good fortune, by association, and then uh, one can have the impetus that I'm going to take up spiritual life. This is uh, uh, the greatest day in the life of a living entity in the material world who decides that now I'm going to make spiritual progress. So as Bart goes to the forest, see that he has uh, spiritual advancement as the goal of life, no longer maintaining kingdom or the status quo in the material world, and Krishna says, if somebody does this, as soon as the living entity acts and decides that I, I want to find God, then Krishna's right there. Tesham satata yuktanam pachitam priti purvakam dadami bhudiyogam tam yenamamukayantite. He's ready to give intelligence at every moment. And he doesn't, he's always ready. It's not that he, um, simply activates his, uh, or becomes aware of the living entity after we become aware that the goal of life is spiritual, he's always waiting. And the very moment that we decide that we want to make spiritual progress, he starts making arrangements for us so that we can uh, come closer to him. So there's a, a sense right away that somebody's helping me. There's somebody within who's helping me move forward. So what happens after that, there's this contrast. And that is that I've been in the material world for many, many lifetimes, and now I've decided to take up spiritual life. And in the beginning, it seems plausible, exciting, but then come the struggles. Because how is it that one can go on with one's duties in the material world and at the same time cultivate spiritual life? How does one overcome the great obstacles that are there that arise within one's own mind and the pullings of the senses? So we see this as Bharat went to the forest and he took up his practice very, very seriously. He was taking several baths every day. He mentioned that his hair was always wet because he was staying so clean by bathing in the crystalline waters of the river and he was uh, meditating on the Lord within the sun and chanting his mantra. And uh, his heart started to soften and tears would come to his eyes as he was remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But then um, there was a test and a distraction came and it was a deer that had been uh, frightened by the roar of a lion, had tried to jump over the the stream near where Bart was meditating and had miscarried and dropped her calf into the water. And then the deer herself had died. Meanwhile, a bard opened his eyes and he saw the little uh, baby deer and picked it up and rescued it. So that started the, the great distraction in his life. So this can happen to anyone. That means I take the spiritual life and I'm very serious about it, but something comes along that uh, distracts me and takes me in another direction. Sometimes people are lost for, for many, many uh, years. They lose time from practicing spiritual life because they get so distracted into something else and their desire to perform uh, devotional service gets eclipsed. So one has to not only perform devotional service, but one has to be careful and not to get pulled away from the path for, for any reason, because there's no good reason to be pulled away from the path. And uh, vigilance is recommended throughout the Bhagavatam. So what happened to Bharat? He, he died thinking of the deer. He became obsessed with the deer. In fact, all the emotion that he had 
developed for the Supreme Personality of God had got transferred to that deer. And this is how powerful the mind is. We should never think that the mind has been fully conquered. In fact, the Bhagavatam says we should think of it like a wild animal. That sometimes people, they catch a wild animal and they bring him home. Yeah, isn't he cute? And they play with him for five, 10 years. And then one day they come home and everybody's dead. Uh, the animal uh, got out of its cage and it just decided to eat everybody. Wild animals are unpredictable. And so is the mind. It can come back and devour us. So what has to take the lesson to be very, very careful not to let the mind uh, somehow or other wander off the path of spiritual life and become absorbed again in, in material consciousness, in worldly consciousness, or to start making offenses towards devotees. However, if someone takes to the practice of spiritual life, Krishna is so kind that he reminds that person in the next life um, that you were performing spiritual practices and now you can take them up again. He mentions this in the sixth chapter by Purva Samskar. He said by previous impressions from his last life or lives, uh, you were practicing, now you can take it up again. In the case of Bharat, because he was so advanced, he remembered as soon as he died, he took birth as a deer because whatever you think of at the time of death really what it's not just an accident that he thought of a deer he was absorbed and whatever we're absorbed in whatever our mind goes to naturally is the kind of body that can be um, offered to us yes nature is very accommodating it's, it's very subtle process, just like air passing over the um, garden or over a dirty place, it picks up the scent. So there's a kind of a color to our consciousness. So we have to purify the consciousness. It shouldn't be attracted to the material nature, otherwise we'll get a material body. Bharat got a body of a deer and he uh, remembered what a shock that is. Once Prabhupada, I heard a talk he was giving, he said, uh, you go to sleep as a man? He said, death is like this. Go to sleep as a man, wake up as a dog. This is like death. You go to sleep for a little while and you wake up and you got a new body. It's, a, it's actually a very scary experience. Like, if, Anyway, uh, there, there's, there's ways if we're unconscious, you know, anybody can do anything to us. And when we leave the body, we're not in control. Uh, material nature is. So Prahlad Maharaj is saying at five years old, He said, make sure that you take advantage of this valuable opportunity and start when you're young because you need the momentum to develop this uh, really uh, the fixity of purpose in spiritual life. And you should develop some emotion for, for the Lord, achuta bhava. You need to have some bhava, some actual emotion for Krishna that compels you to want to see him, to want to hear about him, to want to chant his names, to want to serve him, to want to be with his devotees, and to exclusively so. You don't want anything else. When, you, when, you, when we develop this kind of, of feeling, then um, when we leave this body, we obviously, by the power of our consciousness are accommodated with a higher level of service. Here are the a few reasons that Prabhupada mentions in his commentaries why Bharat Maharaj fell down. First one he says is foolishness. So don't be foolhardy. Don't be fooled by material nature. Keep yourself fortified so you don't get taken in by the con game that the Maya is always playing to try to pull us back in. Don't be foolish. The second is misplaced compassion. And this is something that Krishna chastised Arjuna for because he said, After Arjuna gave a litany of reasons why he shouldn't fight the war, Kurukshetra, because it was immoral, unethical, 
there were going to be families that were displaced and you know these are good moral reasons but then krishna says uh, you sound like a, a pundit but you're a fool you don't know the first thing about spiritual life you're not your body wake up stop meditating on this sentimental idea that i'm my body these are my family members this is my country and so forth this is maya of course you know we live in this world and we have to interact with it but don't absorb your heart in this foolish idea that i'm part of this world chitraketu had this propensity and narada muni and angira rishi um, helped him overcome that when they came there he begged them pleadingly please i need a son otherwise i can never be happy and uh, Angira said, I can do a yagya for you and you'll get a son, but it'll be, the son will be called Harsha Shoka. Uh, it'll cause you some lamentation, even if there is a tiny bit of jubilation. And the, the, the king thought, well, every father has some uh, problem with the son, so I can handle it. And then later, of course, he got the son and the son died. Angira came back with Narada and brought the son back to life to speak to Chitraketu. And the son then, from the perspective of a wandering soul, said, I'm sorry, I don't recognize these people. I'm just passing through. And, uh, and Chitraketu had a, a rude awakening that he was thinking, oh, this is my little son. But actually, these uh, projections that this is my... Uh, son, this is my daughter, this is my country, this is my wife, this is my husband, and so forth. These are products of the illusory energy. So uh, Bharat really got out there and misplaced compassion because he thought, well, this deer is not my, he began thinking of it as his offspring and taking care of it. And little deer are easy to get attached to. You look at it, you think it's cute, and you just get carried away. And the next thing you know, you're floating down the stream of uh, willful neglect of sadhana, which is the last uh, point. Due to the sentiment, he became willfully neglectful of his sadhana. He thought, eh, you know, I'll just take care of the deer. There's a kind of weakness of heart that, that overcame him. So be careful of that. Don't get swept away. If you feel yourself slipping or because you're your uh, sentiments moving towards uh, this illusory idea of life, then uh, take help and tighten it up because it's a rare opportunity to be able to go through a lifetime fixed in spiritual consciousness. So there's some attitudes that are helpful in doing this. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita 6.24, one should engage oneself in the practice of yoga with determination and faith and not be deviated from the path. So to have determination, one has to follow the four regulative principles. Because without this, then uh, if without performing a little tapasya, then one's one senses begin to dictate. And if someone develops some spiritual self-esteem by following the four regulative principles, he or she then starts to feel some spiritual power and determination to go ahead with spiritual life. Prabhupada told one of my god brothers, that if you follow the four regulative principles and chant 16 rounds every day, you'll become as strong as the Himalaya mountains in spiritual life. Also, did you know that Prabhupada, Prabhupada lived through the first pandemic in 1918? He was uh, also, he lived through the pandemic when he was first born. I can't say if it was pandemic, the first one when he was like two years old. But there was definitely an epidemic in Calcutta. He said bodies were just laying in the street. And then 1918 was the Spanish flu. Obviously, Prabhupada lived through that. My grandmother didn't. She, she died in the <laughs> when my mother was two years old. She died, uh, my grandmother, in this, uh, during the Spanish flu. And then uh, Prabhupada lived. There was another pandemic when Prabhupada came to New York, 1968. That was the Hong Kong flu. And uh, Prabhupada, uh, there's a conversation, Prabhupada speaking to um, Hayagriva and uh, talking about the Hong Kong flu, Prabhupada got the uh, vaccination. And, um, and, but then he said, this whole world is Hong Kong flu. 
the whole world is Hong Kong flu. So uh, he said, we have to inoculate ourselves from Maya. So um, taking it very seriously, developing determination in spiritual life and taking your inoculation every day by chanting. Don't let your mind and senses go wild. Take uh, your chanting first, the first priority. Make sure you associate with the holy name and hear from Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. Fortify yourself. Take the vaccination. So after he was a deer, then Bharat came came back as Judd Bharat. So this is uh, a time when he became extremely steady and serious in his practice. So already he was a great soul. But now, can you imagine that he made this mistake? He got pulled off the path. He realized the whole thing through the body of a deer. And then he took birth in full knowledge of what he had just been through. So how serious would be? So if we could get a little uh, taste of that, some feeling that, this is very serious. I have to practice spiritual life with determination. If we can pray to Judd Bharat, just have an iota of, of his determination and perspective of the dangers of the world. And as I said the other day, Vyasa says in the, his commentary to the, uh, to the Yoga Sutras, the yogi who becomes so advanced and sees the subtleties of the material nature becomes as sensitive as an eyeball. It means he's so careful moving around. And you know, even a tiny little speck on the eye can uh, cause a havoc. So similarly, uh, if we become that serious, as Judd Bharat did when he became uh, when the son of, of a Brahmana, who tried to train him in many different ways, Judd Bharat acted like he was uh, dull and couldn't understand anything. And then, of course, uh, at this point, this is a, a stage of life that we should all aspire to, which is nishta, or absolute steadiness, where we can't be uh, distracted, we can't, we're not um, sleepy uh, during a sadhana, our senses have uh, been quieted down by our practice, relentless practice every day, the senses start to get quiet, and um, they are uh, divested of the um, innate bad qualities that have been there because of the modes of material nature. They become illuminated by the practice of devotional service. We need to come to Nishta at least to make further progress. So we see this in the life of Judd Bharat. Now he's totally fixed and he's not disturbed at all by the external environment at all. So in the Gita 256, Krishna says, one who is not disturbed in mind, even amidst the threefold miseries or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called the sage of steady mind. Dukeshvanu vigna manaha, sukeshu vigatasriha, vitaragabaya krodha, manmaya. He says, become a stita di, a totally fixed in meditation on spiritual life. Stita dir munir uchide. This is called a, a, a sage of steady mind. So this is all possible by the process uh, given by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's a simple path, but it's extremely powerful because, first of all, it, it, we're in contact with Krishna directly through his names. There are many mantras in the world, and the in, active ingredient within the mantra is the name of God. We have a mantra we're chanting over and over again that it's, it's all, all names of God. There's no beige in it. There's nothing covering it. It's totally name. It's all the name of God. And it's written in the vocative form. And so uh, Hare Krishna Rama. Hare is uh, Srimati Radharani. Krishna is the uh, supreme objective of everyone's attention and the all-attractive original supreme personality of God. Rama means the highest spiritual pleasure. And uh, we're also in there because it's written in vocative form, which means somebody's chanting this mantra. So the living entity is there, the uh, supreme origin of everything, and his internal energy, Radharani. Everything's there when we're chanting the mantra, everything complete. So we cannot have any more complete experience in this world than absorbing ourselves in, in the Nam. 
There is nothing like Harinam anywhere. And it is the prime practice to attain Nishta. Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalum, Kalona Stevena Stevena Steva, Gatiranyata. So if one takes this very seriously, the simple path by following four regulative principles, staying clean in habits and uh, keep the environment clean, and then uh, making a priority of chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra every day with attention, and as, as well in kirtan, by the power of the name, the Lord's name, one will uh, advance, uh, one will become freed from bad habits, and uh, Krishna will help us to uh, develop the highest stages of, of love for him. So now we'll take a couple of reflections or questions, because we still have 15 minutes left to have a little discussion. So, um, devotees, you can unmute yourself to ask the questions. And uh, Maharaj, we have some reflections and questions on Facebook, and there are some on chat window also. Okay. So should I go with this Facebook? Yeah. Okay. So we have a reflection from Krishna Prabhu. He says that just like in an epidemic condition where everyone is being contaminated and dying, still the doctors are appointed by the government. They have to go into the epidemic area and try to treat the person and save him, save them. Hold on. And our duty is like that. The whole atmosphere is epidemic. Whole atmosphere, this Kali Yuga, and still by the superior orders, we have to preach this Krishna consciousness movement. Srila Prabhupada in a lecture on Srimad Bhagavatam, 6.2 verses 1 to 5 in Calcutta in January of 1971. Oh, nice. And here's from Sri Vatsa. He writes, Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. It makes sense to me that by reading Shastra, one can strengthen intelligence and develop a fixed determination to make progress in Krishna consciousness. However, for some reason, I always feel like I'm lacking in my sadhana and that I could be doing better. And this sometimes increases determination and sometimes it can make me feel like giving up. How do I guarantee steady determination and progress in Krishna consciousness in a way that I progress as fast as possible? Well, one of the symptoms of uh, anishta, uh, practice, which means we're unsteady, is that sometimes we feel like it and sometimes we don't. And uh, if we recognize that that's a, a stage in the practice, we should have become discouraged by it. In fact, uh, there are many places, as I've mentioned before, where Krishna says that keep going even though, if you, feel, even though you feel unsteady. For instance, jata shrada makatasu nirvina sarvakarmasu Veda dukat makam kamams pryage pyanishvara. That means that even if you know that you want to do this and you're totally fixed on it, but you still can't do it, Krishna says, Tatoba jaitamam prita shraddha lurjuda nishchaya jushamanam satam kamams duko darkams chagaryam. You can feel a little remorseful, but not too much, because you have to keep going. And um, if you understand that. Uh, that there's going to be ups and downs and you keep going. The other uh, way that uh, I've always found effective is to uh, find out what your most fundamental practices are that you should do and try to stack them in a way that you get them done before everything else. If you can uh, finish your rounds earlier and if you can do your reading earlier, there's uh, not as much chance for the mind to get interrupted and pulled away in other directions. And also, if you ever find yourself um, with waning enthusiasm, then uh, do the very minimum that you can, because it's better to put your head in the book, for instance. If your mind says, I'm not interested in this at all, I'd rather look at something else, then just make a deal that at least read one sentence. At least, re, at least chant 10 mantras. This is a very powerful way to get your 16 rounds going when you don't feel like it, is to say, okay, I'm gonna just ten, chant 10 mantras with the determination. And it's like priming the pump. It helps to get you started. I like this, everyone's writing in here. Hare Krishna. Okay, 
Sukeshri said, even though Bharat Maharaj became a deer, his mind was absorbed in Krishna. So that was the best thing to happen, I felt. What is the uh, use to have a human body, but mind is not absorbed in Krishna? What's the use to have a... Well, um, there is no use. If you're a human and you don't think of Krishna, then shrama evihi kevalam, says the Bhagavatam, that... Uh, you know, you've wasted it. So every opportunity we get, we should try to think of Krishna in whatever way we can. Uh, Bhaktin Shraddha said, if Bharat Maharaj was on the right track in his spiritual progress after he went to the forest to live a spiritual life, why, do you, why did he have to face an impediment in his spiritual practice in the form of a deer? Because there are, there's a cleansing process. And even as we become determined in the beginning to perform spiritual life, we may have to face, we will have to face this stage called the Narta Nivritti, unless you did it in your last life. And when you come to a Narta Nivritti, there's all kinds of obstacles that you have to overcome. And as Prabhupada writes in the light of the Bhagavad, these uh, uh, obstacles that sometimes uh, give us missteps in our practice, they may not be detrimental, but they may become the pillars to success. And the secret is this, don't give up. And Prabhupada mentions this in uh, the, the Bhagavad Gita, in the verse, Api chet sudracharo bhajate mamananya bhak sadureva samantavya samyag vyavasito isa. He said, even if someone shows some worldly character as they're performing devotional service, if they're fixed in their determination, you should consider them to be saintly because they're going to be successful. And in the next verse, Krishna says, Sri Pram Bhavati Dharma Ma Shashvas Chantim Nagachiti. He's telling Arjuna, declare it boldly that my devotee will never perish. Because uh, once somebody's taken to the path, then you'll be successful. You may have to go through a, a, a few obstacles to make you stronger. How do we ever get stronger anyway, right, Shraddha? If you're uh, performing some, uh, you know, an athletic, if you're developing a... Uh, Physically, you know, you have to face resistance. And you, <laughs> that's how we get stronger. And then uh, we have... I, uh, I finish my sadhana in the morning mostly, but sometimes I feel the inertia to chant. However, I feel that this inertia is becoming lesser and lesser of late. Is that something that shows I'm doing something that's right? Yes, it does. You know, bodies who is it, Newton? Bodies in motions tend to stay in motion and bodies at rest tend to stay in rest. So use inertia in your uh, favor. If you're, um, if you're moving, keep moving. Don't stop. Even if it doesn't seem perfect, at least keep moving. Because uh, yes, and then if you start to develop some momentum, that is uh, a sign that you're making advancement. Tadiya Seva, I like your point of being vigilant in the path of devotional service. Even little inattentiveness can lead one to fall down from the path of devotional service. Example of Jad Bharat, example of Ajamil, uh, can be cited here and the consequences of inattentiveness. And uh, Srivata says, thank you. Radhakripa uh, is offering obeisances, mine to you. How could Bharat Maharaj have, uh, how could Bharat, Ashraya Madhava, how could, how could Bharat Maharaj have remained steady? In Bhagavad Gita, misplaced compassion of Arjuna was corrected by Lord Krishna who was present there. Yeah, it's better to have association. This comes out in some of the commentaries. If he had had a guru, he could have gone there and said, what should I do with this deer? And the guru would have said, uh, take it to an animal shelter and get back to your meditation. Uh, Ram Baru, Hare Krishna, my obeisance is to you. Uh, I like the statement that we should guard ourselves from the impressions that the varieties of manifestations of three modes. But being in material body, we need the emotional satisfaction through uh, what we are, uh, the what we are associating, mostly in the three modes, how to draw the, draw the line between them. Well, we draw the line between them by uh, staying very steady in our practice of devotional service and developing a, a discrimination. And uh, Queen Kunti prays for it. She said, give me the discrimination to see the difference between 
spiritual attachment and material attachment. Don't let me uh, be sentimentally attached to my family. Let me be attached to them only uh, based on my attachment to you. So you have to ask Krishna for that. And um, the next one, uh, uh, Radha Kripa Prabhu, Bharat Maharaj did everything right except one thing. Whereas in current age, I'm speaking of myself, I am probably only doing one right thing, rest all wrong. How can I, how should I feel hopeful of sticking to the right thing? Well, if you're doing a devotional service, it's very powerful. And if you're doing, especially the primary practice of chanting Hare Krishna, that's the main thing that you have to do and remember, and you're going to be okay. Aparagarangi and Sri Antariksha offer their obeisances, mine to you. We should never think of the mind to be fully conquered. Treat the mind like a wild animal who can potentially be dangerous at any time. And Gandharvika, Dhanavats, um, mind to you. The point that by practicing sadhana, one can become as strong as Mount Everest gives me hope and confidence. Yes. And um, finally, Mayank, I certainly now seems to me that mind is a wild animal. Yeah, uh, so uh, you're not alone. Uh, great yogis, uh, all kinds of practitioners have uh, fought with the mind. And um, stay engaged in service and make sure that um, you do your level best to stay in contact with spiritual sound vibration because it's, the, it's Krishna himself and he'll help us. And when Krishna's helping us, then we have every expectation of being successful. Take his help. Shraddha, what else? But are there, there are a few questions and some comments. Okay, let's hear it. So I'll just go in the order they appeared. So Bhakt Alex Zarinov, he is actually um, quoting from Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Lila from the seventh chapter, the hundred and second verse, and which talks about reading books and creating and defining samadhi. A, a sincere devotee must therefore be prepared to hear the Vedic literature, like the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra, and other literatures left by the previous authorities or Goswamis for the benefit of his progress. Without hearing such literatures, one cannot make actual progress. And without hearing and following the instructions, the show of devotional service becomes worthless and therefore a sort of disturbance in the path of devotional service. Unless therefore devotional service is established on the principles of Shruti and Smriti, Puran and Pancharatra authorities, the make show of devotional service should at once be rejected. An unauthorized devotee should never be recognized as a pure devotee. By assimilation of such messages from the Vedic literature, one can see the all-pervading localite as aspect of the personality of Godhead within his own self constantly. This is called Samadhi. See the importance of reading Prabhupada's books is right there. And it's, it's absolutely inspiring and charming all at once when we see how Krishna is quoting from Shastra. <laughs> you know, here in this verse, he's saying, you know, there are rishis and then there's the Upanishads and the, they say this. So uh, how much we should be attached to, to hearing from the sages, hearing from the Upanishads, if Krishna likes it, what to speak of Lord Chaitanya? When he's uh, teaching Rupa, Sanatana Goswami, and others, you'll notice he's quoting right and left from Gita. So Gita should be our mainstay also. We should know Gita. If you, if you make Gita your best friend uh, and, and constant companion by taking shelter and bathing your intelligence by going through the conversation, it's so fulfilling that your mind will get used to that kind of subtle enjoyment. And this is what Krishna says protects us from falling down in the material world. So param means a supreme, drishva, we have to see, taste something higher. And when we do that, then the lower tastes just naturally are, are, not, a, are not interesting to us at all. So we, we have to get a subtle enjoyment. And I was thinking about it yesterday on, on Akadashi because it was a fast day, and I was thinking that, how does one not uh, be disturbed by fasting? And I was, I, then I was thinking, by becoming absorbed in a, in a more subtle kind of enjoyment. 
And if, if your mind is thinking about, uh, you know, Shastra, you're thinking of Krishna, you're chanting, you're engaged in service, you're looking at, uh, you know, the deities and so forth. Uh, there's a subtle kind of enjoyment that helps us overcome any kind of attraction to the lower enjoyments in the material world. That's altogether possible in bhakti because we use all our senses and we, we have to purify them by keeping them engaged. And when we have that subtle enjoyment, we'll be able to very easily not become attached to the material world. Any last points, Shraddha? Uh, there's a comment by Anand Vrindavan Mataji and two, two more questions. Okay. How do we want? Should I greet all of them? Yeah, go ahead. Let's hear her, her comment. Okay. Anand Vrindavan Mataji says that Sukhadev Goswami prays in Srimad Bhagavatam 2.4.17 that let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the all-auspicious Lord Sri Krishna again and again because the great learned sages, the great performers of charity, the great workers of distinction, the great philosophers and mystics, the great chanters of the Vedic hymns and the great followers of Vedic principles cannot achieve any fruitful result without dedication of such qualities to the service of the Lord. That's so nice. What a nice first to introduce. Thank you very much for that, Ananda Vrindavan. Yeah, if we associate with Krishna in all his different forms, we'll get that sublime taste and we'll be able to come to Nishta. And what are the uh, comments or questions? Uh, one is from Namrata Katwate from Australia. Uh, her question is that during the course of her life, because of past impressions, we have a lot of desires that are opposed to our actual goal. They are not really what we want, but we want those things because of our tendency to enjoy separate from Krishna. The question is, does Krishna take these desires seriously if these desires are fleeting and we are trying to redirect ourselves? No, Krishna doesn't take those seriously. What he takes seriously is your uh, intention within your heart. This is uh, mentioned in the Bhagavatam when uh, Bali Maharaj surrenders unto Vamandev. Then it's mentioned there that Actually, Bali had it in his heart that he wanted to surrender. And even though there were so many obstacles externally, uh, Vamandev recognized his intention in his heart. And even if you have one molecule of good intention in an ocean of faults, uh, the sincerity that you have there will overcome all the faults because that's what Krishna picks out. In fact, there's a, a verse from the Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, and this verse mentions that uh, even if somebody accidentally chants Hare Krishna, uh, Krishna takes it personally and he goes, he just chanted my name. Uh, she just said Hare Krishna. And uh, then he starts helping. What to speak of, the verse says, if somebody is trying, they lean into it. So uh, these sensual um, kinds of uh, distractions that are there are no match for devotional service. And uh, hang on to that one molecule of sincerity and practice to the best of your ability and you will be successful without a doubt. No question about it. Krishna will help. He's much more powerful than those latent impressions or act or active impressions that are there within the mind they will be overcome and the last question of the night the last question so i will go in the i'll take the last question that was posted on facebook Thank and you. this is from surikund prabhu and he's saying that why does it seem that materialistic activities are natural whereas trying best to be in spiritual platform appears to be difficult well, that's because of conditioning. After being uh, conditioned in a certain way, uh, anything seems natural. Like there are people that have become conditioned to uh, like nicotine and smoking cigarettes. And so for them, it's unnatural to uh, not smoke a cigarette. In fact, they never stop. As long as they're awake, they have a cigarette in their mouth because they've become used to it. Uh, same with alcohol. Same with people who are addicted to any kind of 
mode of nature in this world. And it takes a little while, doesn't it, to overcome these and, and reposition ourselves. So first of all, we should understand what our uh, natural condition of happiness is. And if you read Bhagavad Gita, you'll understand that there is no happiness in Rajas and Tamas. Zero. You won't get it. You can only get even material happiness through sattva. Sattva is, is, is happiness. And rajas and tamas, rajas means you're anticipating happiness, but you never get it. And tamas means you're right in the muck. You're down in the, you know, you're in the slop. And, and you're getting creamed, and, and it's really hard to get out of. So live a suffolk life, and then live a super suffolk life uh, rise above the modes of nature and when you touch brahman then brahma bhuta prasanatma you don't have the burden of material life anymore and you'll actually be bursting with happiness because you've touched brahman what to speak of you know coming to a devotional service in a full-blown form this means you're embracing the eternal source of all joy and that is manifest in our relationship krishna and that's what lord chaitanya is offering us everyone and it doesn't matter where we're starting from he came and and extended himself to this process as did Prabhupada to give us a opportunity through hearing shastra through chanting the holy name worshiping the temple associating with devotees and being uh, taking active part in the mission of spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. If you're doing that, you're going to be successful. And then you'll see actually that you replace that lower uh, so-called happiness with real happiness. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And we'll just have a quick kirtan to end the class tonight. That is this one comment for you from Scotland. Can I... From Scotland, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. This is from Bhakti Vinod Das, Brian Bhakti McLeod. I, I don't know if I pronounced the name right. Brian Bhakti McLeod. He says, uh, Hare Krishna from Bhakti Vinod Das in Scotland. Nice to see you continuing with your service in a steady way. Thank you. Thank you very much. From your lips to the Lord's ears. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Hare Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare